What's going on, everybody? So, I'm pretty much just going to immediately hand it off to Malone here again, because uh, this is a little... I like this. I like cameras. Kind of what we're talking about. Going a little bit more in depth, just talking about movies. But I'm just going to hand it up to Malone, and uh, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of don't know what we're talking about, because <laughs> you're leading this, but I'm just going to hand it off to you, my man. Okay. Hello. I return. I'm <laughs> back. I like chilies. I'm back, baby, back, baby, back. So today I wanted to give you guys like a little crash course and John Paul too on why movies look the way that they do and how uh, filmmakers can create specific looks. Now the look of a movie is mostly responsible uh, or the responsibility of, I mean, the director and the cinematographer. Those two people champion and form the look of a movie that they're going for. Now, this can... For certain movies, it's not just them. Like, a Dune has a very specific look to it because of the way it was edited. But most movies don't have that. And if they do, usually it's a directorial choice that the editor is then given. Rather than the choice that the editor is making. So, uh, first I want to talk about a movie that we have both seen. I'm going to talk about two movies that we've both seen and explain why they look so good. And that way you can kind of get, uh, into this concept and then we can explore movies that we, that you haven't seen. So first I want to talk about a pretty new movie that came out earlier this year. Okay. The Batman. Oh yeah, so I'm talking. I love that movie. So I think I've explained this to you before, but I'll just give a real quick rundown. The Batman was shot to look like both thriller detective movies from the '70s, but specifically like thriller detective movies from the '90s, like Seven. Seven is a which I want to talk about later, but Seven uh, very heavily influenced the look of this movie. But Matt Reeves and cinematographer Greg Frazier, who's done all kinds of stuff, like episodes of The Mandalorian, really? he did Dune, he's a pretty prolific uh, cinematographer. Did they he do all of The Mandalorian, or just like kicking on a few? Certain episodes. I don't think he did every episode, but he has nothing to prove as far as his cinematographer status. So the Batman was shot on an Ari Alexa LF, which I have a picture of that on the Instagram post of the episode. By the way, go ahead. Okay, so it's shot on an Ari Alexa LF, which is a digital camera. Uh, they use. I know, I'm sorry, I am familiar with that company, and they are insanely expensive. Ex- they are like extremely expensive. Like screw Sony, screw uh, <laughs> Canon. Like Ari is like Ari is it's like. It's have you ever heard of the camera brand uh, Red? Just mm-hmm. Red. It are, I think they're on like that level. They are like yeah, they really they really really are. Um. So it was shot on the Ari Alexa LF. It was shot digitally. Uh, the lenses that they used are something called an anamorphic lens. So anamorphic lenses are perfect uh, specifically these anamorphic lenses are specifically warped they're made to be imperfect and i don't know i don't know if i've told you this but home theater projectors like that one you, it's like five thousand dollars but you can get an anamorphic lens it's basically used for like so you know how we were watching a movie and there are black bars on top and bottom mm-hmm. an anamorphic lens basically it 
those those black that black is actually pixels, but it's wasted pixels. So your picture that is actually in color, the actual movie is not as good because the black on top and bottom is not. It's it's actually u- using those pixels. So basically, an anamorphic lens sucks that in. Long story short, it's more than this, but it basically is most efficient and uses those pixels that it's been using for black and just displays nothing and uses those pixels for the movie. So the movie itself is actually getting the best experience possible. So yes, I am I am familiar with anamorphic lens. They are expensive. They are they can cost anywhere from like five to fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Depending on what type of anamorphic lens you're using and stuff like that. Uh but yeah, it's so the the most intriguing part about the way this movie was filmed, though, is not the fact that it was filmed using uh, the Ari Alexa LF, which is an extremely good camera, or the fact that it was um, filmed using anamorphic lenses. That is not the most impressive part. The most impressive part is that they developed uh, the digital... They went through this process, and I forget the name for it now, but they went through this process to develop the digital movie onto film negatives and then redevelop those film negatives, which gives the movie such a specific look. So they could film on digital and give it the look of being made on film. It's extremely impressive what they were able to do with the look of this movie. What kind of camera are you, Alexa? What? LF. LF. Is there like a number after that or just LF? No, it's just LF. Okay, I, mean, I just want to see how much that is. <laughs> oh, I looked it up earlier. It was like... $100,000. Yeah. No, no it's way. insanely expensive. Oh, my goodness. It's 98000 but with tax, that's well over 100000 Yeah. No way. I can buy a cheap Rolls Royce. <laughs> no way. Uh, that's that's way over red. Red's about thirty grand. Oh yeah, no, they're. Oh, they, I mean, the red camera that they filmed Stranger Things with. Let me. I believe it was one of the Red Dragon cameras. Hundred. Uh, no way. Yeah, no, it's ex ex. It's really. That's three uh, times <laughs> the average house payment for a quarter million dollar house. Not kidding. It's. Really expensive. Uh, let me just Google this real quick. For all those people that really like typing sounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like slightly hum, hum. off. So ASMR. they used the Red's DSM C28K VV camera. Let's take on that. Let me look it up real quick. I don't know if you're familiar with Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD on YouTube. He's a black guy. Uh, $54,000 for the red camera that they used on Stranger Things. You know Bar- Marquez Brownlee? YouTube? Uh, I'm aware of him, yes. He uses a red camera every time. Holy Big crap. chunk, just for YouTube videos. I'm sure he does something else, but YouTube videos, he uses a red camera. He's a camera guy and a car guy. He's got like, yeah. So that movie, so the Batman specifically, uses a tactic called dirtying up the frame, which is adding things needlessly, really, into the background to make the frame and the the look of the movie to make it look better. Like, the biggest problem, and we talked about this uh, in the Mission Impossible review, uh, 
modern superhero movies look like, I mean, they look like Amazon commercials, if I'm going to be 100% honest. They look like Amazon commercials, and that's a problem. Uh, and this movie is the complete opposite of that. It, so the frames in all, most Marvel movies, I won't say all, because Sam Raimi brought a level of newness to the Marvel cinematography area. Ooh, real quick, sorry, I've got a Shang-Chi poster here, just forgot. Have you seen Shang-Chi? I have not, actually. It's I really, really want to. It's kind of daytime, but it's it's like it's like colorful action. It's like there's action scenes, but it's like real colorful. So it's like it's like a hybrid between it's like daytime, like you know, it's like a Marvel movie, yay! But it's also got a good amount of action. Like it's it's pretty good. It's I've like, heard it's, it's one like of the better Marvel, Marvel John Wick. It's pretty good. Ooh, okay. Um, but. They they have extremely clean frames, and what the Batman does is it does the exact opposite of that. He dirties up the frame. It, it I mean, there are times where it gets wet and it's raining, and like the f- the picture itself or the camera itself seems to get wet or whatever, or it focuses on something that I, the movie is so beautifully shot. And I don't want to continue talking about it because I can only talk about it for so long, just because. I'm not a film expert, but the Batman dirties up the frame, and that's what makes it so good-looking. So, uh, I want to also talk about the A Quiet Place 2, which is not actually, like, this amazing cinematography, like, feat. Like, it's not... I mean, it has clever shots, and it's good directing. With The cinematography isn't something extremely special i think there's some blocking issues definitely in that movie at times but usually like it gets cinematography dead on what i do want to talk about however is the look of a quiet place part two a quiet place part two was filmed on the panasonic panaflex millennium panasonic wow yeah or uh, sorry Uh, panavision which i believe is owned by panasonic but i could be wrong uh panavision uh, Panaflex Millennium XL2, uh, which is a film camera. The movie was shot on film. I'm just gonna, since we're continuing with this, I'm gonna look up how much it is. Um, Panavision. Yeah, the Panavision mm-hmm. Millennium XL2. Come on, buddy. Just need the price. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not seeing anything, but I bet it's probably real expensive. <laughs> Just type it on Google, the camera and then the price. I, I did, price. and it didn't actually come up with the camera. Uh, w- okay, Panavision anamorphic lens, 50mm B-series, 2 times auto Panatar, Super Balter. It's uh, $80,000 on For eBay. For just the lens? For just the lens, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, ooh, the one the one I'm seeing right now is twelve thousand dollars from old school cameras. For the camera? Yeah. That's not bad. Um But it was shot on that. Uh I, I think the A Quiet Place 2 looks really good just because it was shot on film. Otherwise it's not a remarkably shot movie. I just think like it has good like film uh, the good film look to it. Another movie shot on that same camera was Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I've sent you pictures if you want to pull some of those up. 
or I can show them to you on my laptop. Uh, here's a that's shot. The famous uh, the Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio scene. He's like, oh, oh, where, yep, that's where me right there. Points at the TV. Yeah. He goes, oh, what does he say? He's like, oh, oh. Yeah, I don't even remember what he says, but I remember the snap and the pointing at the TV. Yeah, yeah. so that movie was shot on film. It takes place during the 70s. I hope you know what we're talking about, so you're not just... Yeah, uh, so uh, John Paul... Oh, no, he goes, oh, oh, here I come. Yeah, Yeah, here I come. Here I come, here I come. Or no, he says, here I am. Here I am. He points at the TV, he says, here I am. Uh, Yeah, I watched this movie pretty recently. I really enjoyed it, but I'm also a big Tarantino fan, so that may influence my view on the movie. Uh, John Paul's going to post all the photos that I reference on the Instagram post for this episode. Uh, JP, wait, what uh, is it? V underscore JP underscore AV underscore podcast. There we go. I know it, you don't. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, again, not an extremely visually remarca- remarkable movie. Like, it doesn't have the most amazing cinematography or whatever, or an amazing look like the Batman, or even super a super distinctive look like the Batman. But it looks good. It's shot on film. And I think it just goes to show, like, the way, the, the length a film camera can go to giving a movie a voice as far as its look. Uh, those two movies are good examples of that. Um, so next I want to talk about some more recent movies. Uh, I mean, those are extremely recent, but I want to talk about two movies shot on the Sony Venice, which I think I Googled earlier, but I'll go ahead and look up again what price it is, what, like, where it lies price-wise. What are we looking at? For a Sony Venice, you're looking to drop, oh, hey, that's really not that bad considering what we've seen. Five thousand dollars, six thousand. the camera, to 6, like just 5, for no lens. <coughs> no lens, just the camera. End, those higher end cameras, <coughs> just the body. I meant the body. Just yeah, just the body is what I meant yeah. as well. Uh, let me give you some ideas. So I'm going to be talking about X and uh, Barbarian, but uh, <coughs> and I have specifically pictures from X because X has its own very distinctive look. But let me give you an idea of some of the things that were shot on the Sony Venice. You have the new Avatar movie that's set to come out pretty soon, Wakanda Forever. Uh, you have the new Dahmer series on Netflix, the uh, Mike Flanagan's The Midnight Club, also on Netflix. Oh, the new Weird Al movie is shot on the Sony Venice. Oh, the new Star Wars show, Andor, shot oh, yeah. on the Sony Venice. Um, Lord, the new Top Gun movie, Top Gun Maverick, also shot on the Sony Venice. What about the, do you know anything about the original Avatar? Because that came out in 09, and it was way past its time. It was a really, uh, really good looking let movie. Let me look it up. What camera did they use to use on Avatar? Um, they used other Sony models, the F950. Uh, the HDC 1500, uh, and towards the end of production, the F23. Okay, okay. So still Sony cameras. Um, Sony, Sony's, Sony's good for like Canon. I don't know much about Canon. I just know I have, uh, 
uh, I've seen a lot of Sony's really good for like th- like their projectors. I know mm-hmm. they get really bright and their colors are like really good. They pop. So same with their Sony cameras. Pretty much everything Sony makes is going to be like rock solid. And Sony's been around the industry probably the longest. I don't know though. Probably between JVC and Sony, but Sony, oh my gosh, it's like just rich deep colors and like you can just tell that from watching the original uh uh can't believe the name just forgot uh just talking about it avatar avatar yes um another shout out is loki was also shot on the venice which i this loki series which i thought was visually extremely good very interesting oh yeah considering especially that it's a marvel movie and those don't tend to have like the you know, the very interesting visuals. It seems like they work a lot more on the series. like um, Depending on the show. Like, Falcon and Winter Soldier is just a Marvel movie, but what if it was four episodes long? Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has that same, like, very generic look and very generic action-type plot. I, what's I don't... The, what's the series that came out back in, like, uh, I think it was late 21? The, uh, WandaVision? Uh, yep. Yeah. <coughs> That was really good. I WandaVision like. was extremely good. I think I like I like Loki better, but uh, WandaVision's good. Daredevil is the best Marvel show though, and I will fight anybody on that. Daredevil is so freaking good. Owen Wilson helped me persuasively <laughs> wise like Loki better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Owen Wilson. I mean, wow, wow. Owen Wilson. Oh my god, I just f- I I'm just here. It's Loki. You should I, watch this show. I um, I just realized he was the voice of Cars like six months ago. I I had the same thing where somebody was like, "Oh yeah, Owen Wilson, Lightning McQueen," and I was like, "No way! It all makes sense now." <laughs> like I just, I, I just didn't think, I didn't think Owen Wilson Cars. Like I heard the voice, and like I could watch him like human being wise like IRL ten minutes later and not correlate the difference. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I can put two and two together now. It's just weird to me that Owen Wilson is in the same movie as a Rascal Flatts song. Like yeah. that's weird to me for some reason. I I don't quite know why. <coughs> it is weird. Uh, but X and Barbarian both came out this year. Uh, both of which I've seen. Both of which I really enjoyed. Uh, Barbarian, I think, looked the. <coughs> Look, yeah, Lord John Paul. <laughs> uh, I think X had a far more distinctive look than Barbarian did. I'll show you a picture of it right, or like a c- screen cap from it right now. Uh, oh, yeah. It is very, even though it's shot on the Venice, which is a digital camera, it looks like it was shot during the 70s. Very visually similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, which I absolutely adore that movie. X had a very distinctive look that was given by that Sony Venice camera. The Venice has an extremely interesting feel to it when used correctly. Barbarian had this as well. It It's all like full ratio shots, and they're just, the colors really pop on that camera. What would you, um, what would you say about lighting? I've heard you talk about lighting before, but... Good lighting can make or break a good movie. Yes. I know we're, uh, last episode, and maybe a little bit this one, we were talking about day and night, how important that can be in movies. Nighttime shots, daytime shots. But obviously, they they trick you in movies to make you think that it's um, 
actual like light from the sun, but it's actually a lot of it is uh, key lighting and hair hair lighting hair lighting. So a light to the top right or top left of your head, and it's lighting up your hair. But uh, do you have any say about you know, lighting? How that's so used? So that actually helps me transition to one of the other movies that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so I I also uh there's this scene in the show Euphoria. Um, it's I'm trying to find a screen cap from it. But the so Euphoria is also shot on film. Uh, so I'll show you a picture of it. That's one like moment from it. Yeah, make sure. By the way, yeah, make sure you're saving me so I can get these. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let me find a good like screen cap from it specifically. I I'm not finding very much. So um, here's another shot. They. Oh yeah. So it's lit so cleverly because it just looks like it really just looks like the only light in the scene is a lamp that they're shining on this dude's face. Uh, but behind the scenes, they had two umbrella lights on him to make it look like he was getting just like the lamp was what was lighting him. Lamps are used a lot in movies, uh, to light scenes cause they're just convenient, natural lighting um, so there are two movies that I want to talk about that have extremely good lighting, and they are Seven and The Witch. So, The Witch uses completely natural lighting. Here's a screen cap from The Witch that I thought displayed oh, yeah. the natural lighting. There is, there is not an ounce of artificial light in that movie. Wow. It is either all daytime or it's, it's lit using candles. And the, it visually, oh my lord, it's stunning. Like, the movie just looks amazing. Uh, it was shot on the... It was shot on the Ariflex, so another Ari camera. Ariflex 35 BL camera with a Cook Veritol 20-100mm T3 lens. Let me just Google the price on this camera since we've been doing that. And I know a lot of people that shoot a uh, natural, genuine lighting from the sun. There's a there's a time they just can't go out whenever they want. There's a time, usually it's uh, twelve. That's that's usually that's like a, you know, the time when you go out. You you when you're searching for a specific light on a person, you go out at a certain time when the sun is setting or the sun is rising. The sun is like in the middle of the sky. But yeah, you have so to negotiate with the with the sky. Yeah, <laughs> the sun. So this camera is the cheapest so far it is only two hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> i know you're gonna <laughs> i was like no way already cheapest two hundred fifty thousand. no it no it's two thousand five hundred i said two hundred and fifty thousand i was like that's not right no it literally this one is oh. the cheapest so far it's twenty five twenty five hundred it's the cheapest uh and i mean the witch like i'll show you the screen cap again like just Think about the fact that they had to use the sun to light that that shot. That's oh, wow. just the sun. <laughs> I'll put this in the post, too. That's crazy. Yeah, it, you're getting, like, everything on uh, her. There's also this dinner scene, which is, dur- like, it's during night. Like, it's dark. Uh, it's completely lit by candles. 
and it is just you like you can't really tell the movie's kind of dark but like not enough that you're like I don't see what's happening it's just enough that uh it's just enough that y- it's obviously natural lighting and I love natural lighting so you know I loved that I loved the scene I loved the dinner scene uh it's just an extremely good uh example of how natural lighting can work there's also this scene in a movie i referenced earlier that i really want to talk about because of its visual style is seven there's this scene oh the batman also has scenes where they're only using flashlights and that's the only lighting in the whole scene uh or like a, a projector screen at one point as well that's the lighting for the whole scene Oh, yeah, like if someone's sitting down in a dark room and they're watching, like, something on a projector from, like, the 30s or 40s, and you, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you put the, uh, you put the, it's like a, it's the like a film? crank projector or something like yeah. that, and it's like, boop, boop, <laughs> boop, three, two, one, and then, yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. You're not crazy, John Paul. <laughs> uh, so, The Witch has an extremely distinctive look seven is what i want to talk about next seven has one of the most i think distinctive looks of any of the movies that i I want to talk about it has an extremely like it's wide angles right the movie is full of wide angle shots the movie uses literally so little soft focus or not soft focus, like uh, shallow depth of field, which is extremely common in modern movies. And it bugs me to an extent. Like, one of the things about the Sony Venice is it can ISO the, like, it can isolate everything so much that it's, like, that's what the director of Barbarian said whenever he figured out how much isolation could be put on the Sony Venice. He said, I want to ISO a lot of these shots just as much as possible. And as much as I loved the look of Barbarian, it bugged me a little bit because I don't like just casual use of da- shallow depth of field. I like the wide angles that we get to see in something like Seven. Uh, oh, where is it? I, I capped a wide angle shot that I really like from Seven that I just, Lord, I fell in love with the look of this movie. Oh, come on. I have it somewhere, don't I? Will you... Will you... I <sighs> um, Is it this? Is it this? Yes, it is this. Oh. The oh, my gosh. It's like a... It's not the horrible quality of it, but it's like a 180 camera. It's like this... This looks like... Golly, okay. I don't even think this will fit in an Instagram post. Oh, no, uh, it probably won't. You should, like, at, go it's, look it's up. It's in that 2.35. It's, like, super wide. Go look up the greed scene. Either watch the scene or uh, just look up a screen cap from it. But it's the greed uh, scene from 7. It's Is like a, it's like a 20-foot room, and you can see from wall to wall. And it doesn't. Yes. It's not distorted at all. It looks super clean. This is like really. I've never seen something Seven like this. Seven has an extremely distinctive look. There's 
also a scene in a crime scene, which is completely naturally lit by red light. Uh, they had the set decorator go through and just, like, this is the, like, main villain's apartment. And they're, it's all natural light and it's all red. The scene is completely, uh, lit by red lights and it's all natural and it's really impressive. Brad Pitt looks like Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Oh, wow. They're the two main characters of the movie. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it's like... Kind of looks like the basement of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> it, yeah, the boiler room from yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. That really is what it looks like. <laughs> I I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is a whole different like thing to talk about. Uh, but Seven, here's another screen cap that I want to talk about. And it's like the only use of shallow depth of field in the whole movie is Brad Pitt gets uh, is like chasing this, the bad guy... And he, like, falls in the rain, and the bad guy has a gun to his head. Mm-hmm. And it's the only, like, I think it might be the only use of shallow depth of field in the whole movie. I did something to your computer. It uh, it looks like the, like a picture of, like, Call of Duty or something. It's like the, 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 uh, the game cover of, like, a Call of Duty <laughs> game. It's like the gun, but everything else is blurred. Blurry. Like and the reason it's done that way is... Did you is send that to me? Uh, yeah, I sent that one to you. And I'll send the rest of these that I've had to pull up later to you as well. Uh, but the beauty of that shot is that it, ha- it... It's hard to explain. So, Brad Pitt doesn't know who this person is. And that's why the shallow depth of field is used. And it's to keep everyone on the same playing field. You cannot see, just like Brad Pitt cannot see really pass that gun because that gun is the most important thing basically the only thing in that scene because brad pitt is like i mean he's close to death at this point uh and that is like an expert use of shallow depth of field pretty much everything else is wide angles there's not like shallow depth of field anywhere in this movie and it's really impressive to create a distinctive look, because I think shallow depth of field is extremely overused now, to as just a way to make your TV show, your movie, or whatever like look refined, mm-hmm. because you can just create so much isolation. But w- I think there's an art artistry to correctly using a shallow depth of field, and I think Seven masters that perfectly. Another David Fincher movie is Zodiac, which I think has an extremely distinctive look as well. Uh, Zodiac was filmed... Oh, I guess I should say Seven was filmed on the Aton, I think. It's A-A-T-O-N. Three... uh, 35, uh, and then Roman numerals, three camera. uh, Panavision Panflex Gold camera and Panavision Primo Prime... uh, Primo Prime Spherical Lenses. So, the, yeah, this came out in 97, I believe, is when 7 came out. 96, 95, I think. So it's older movie, but it, like, looks fantastic, and it's shot on film because, you know, obviously, why... W- Ooh, actually, is it shot on film? I think it might be shot on digital. Uh, But it just has an extremely good look to it. I really love the look to it. Um, it was shot 
on. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> it's not uh, digital. Digital. It's shot on digital, I believe. I could be wrong about that. Don't do not quote me on that because I could be wrong just from my very surface level uh, search of the Internet. That's what I found. Uh, and then Zodiac has a very good distinctive look to it. It looks very 70s, but not in the same way that something like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or uh, X looks very 70s, where it's like very overexposed, glossy 70s. Zodiac looks grimy, almost. Like it looks like gray at times and just so dark and the movie's about a serial killer like even the parts where it's in the daytime uh there are there's just a level of darkness and a like a gray sheen to the movie that makes it feel dark constantly even when it's not dark uh, I'd actually, I'd love to watch Zodiac with you to, uh, to see you, like, absorb it, but there's, it's not a horror movie, like, at all, and that, that's not true. It's not a horror movie, but there is certainly horror to that movie. Like and suspense. Suspense, like... but in a way that most suspenseful movies don't have. David Fincher is the most horror movie a direct horror director someone can get without being a horror director like he has this amazing way of creating suspense that feels like you're in a horror movie for five seconds or whatever but his movies are not by any means horror movies it's really really interesting to see what he can do with i mean what he can do just generally with the look of a movie He's the director of Seven and of Zodiac, and he created distinctive looks in both movies. I mean, the man's... Everyone has probably seen a David Fincher movie at some point. Uh, he did the Mark Zuckerberg movie, uh, The Social Network. Oh, yeah. He did um, the series Mindhunter, which looks really good. He did... He did Fight Club... He did, what's another Fincher movie? Gone Girl. That's the one that was escaping me. He did Gone Girl. Uh, Fincher's a really good director. He's one of my favorite directors. Um, I also want to talk about, I'm, I think I'm going to hit on two more specific movies. Uh, I want to hit on another movie that was shot with the Panaflex Millennium XL2, the Panavision Panaflex Millennium XL2, and it's The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is shot in a different aspect ratio. I don't actually remember what There's aspect usually ratio. There's usually three. 16 by 9, which is fills up your whole TV. TV 16 by 9. Mm-hmm. There's 4 by 3, which the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is shot in. So basically just like an old movie. Uh, covers top and bottom, but left and right is cut out. So like Andy Griffith, something like that. And then there's 2.35 to 1 or 2.4 to 1. Basically the same thing. Which is most movies, uh, all the way to the sides, but on a 16 by 9 screen, which is probably what everybody's familiar with your TV, it's cut out on the top and bottom. Uh, it's got black bars. So it's probably one of those three. I don't know though. So um, it is not actually, it was intentionally a different aspect ratio. It is a one 
point it is a one point one nine by one. Can you look up what that would look like? That's, that's, that's weird. So I can show you a uh, picture. Here's what it would basically look like. Uh, but I can. Oh yeah, that's four by three, basically. Yeah. It's it's, it's a little bit wider than four by three. It's not a full square, but it's a, a little bit wider than four by three. And when you see it and like in action, when you're watching the movie, it looks different from a four by three. Yeah. It is a very interesting <coughs> aspect ratio. The whole movie is shot it is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen ever seen and it is completely in black and white. Is it older? No. Twenty nineteen. Came out in twenty nineteen, but it was intentionally shot. It's the same director as The Witch. It's Robert Eggers. It, it looks like the time in the movie is supposed to be older, am I it's wrong? It's set in <clears throat> the eighteen hundreds, yes. Okay. So I can kind of see what they're doing here. I think they're trying to it's a new movie, but they're like doing everything they can to like make it look like it's older kind of like you see new movies uh like doc martin i'm just thinking of that mm-hmm. it's based in like my mom watches doc martin that's why i know it's based in like the i don't think the 80s or, i don't know movie just i can't think of a movie that's based old in old times but usually it's shot in 2.35 or 16 by 9 and it's in color but this is the first movie i've ever seen where like it's other than it being only three years old, they're doing everything they can to make it, like, look older. I mean, like, the camera quality is much better. It's kind of like, uh, reminds me of uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's, like, older. It's, like, the opposite here. Space Odyssey is older, but it's... Looks it's, newer. It looks really newer because it's shot on a really nice camera. I, I don't know the specifics. A- and it's also shot with such... I mean, Stanley Kubrick has one of the greatest eyes in film history, and he directed... 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is part of the reason it looks not as old as it really is. Uh, The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is an extremely confusing movie. Like, like it, Dune? It is way more confusing than Dune. Oh. Like, because you don't... Like, it isn't until the end, and then you don't know if what you watched is actually what happened in the movie. How does the, that work? So the movie is shot... Oh, like it may be a dream or something? Well, no, it's written and shot from a subjective point of view. So objective point of views, it's just like, this is what happened. No character view or anything is a part of this. A subjective point of view is your... Uh, this is more commonly used in books... But it's from the point of view of a character. So what's happening might not be what actually happened. Kind of like when you're uh, when something happens and then your friend asks you what happens. But yes. it's not actually what happens. It's like what you want it to happen. Or like what you have augmented it to be like. Do you remember reading Wuthering Heights for English class? Yes. Remind me what it's, it was about. Cause I don't quite it, it was the one where the, it was uh, Heathcliff. It was Heathcliff, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Yep. yeah, so that that book uses subject. If I if I'm remembering correctly, uses subjective points of view, where one person will say one thing, one person will say another, or The Great Gatsby is like this as well. It's from one character's point of view, so it's subjective. The Lighthouse is very similar to that. It's of course not shot in a POV, but it is a subjective point of view. So by the end of the movie, you don't know exactly whether what you've watched is 
actually what happened. So you're saying usually those are used in books, and it's weird to see that in a movie. Like, weird to see that, like, uh, played out and like, people. Yes. So, like, this is not unheard of use, and, and a lot of really good movies use this. But the lighthouse uses it to an extent that's not super common, where you'll have just, like... I mean, there are also dream sequences in the movie, but you'll have moments where you don't know if it's supposed to be, like, oh, this movie has supernatural elements, or, oh... That guy's just high. The, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, the guy's, like, going crazy is what's implied, because it's two guys on a lighthouse in the 1800s. Uh, it's... Uh, I'll watch. I don't want to watch the whole movie because I think it would be extremely difficult for you to watch, just because I don't think it's really your thing. But I promise like, you, I won't ask any questions. Oh, well, that's not what I meant, really. <laughs> I just mean like it has a a very interesting feel to it that's not for everybody. Like, <coughs> I loved this movie. I feel like this movie's perfect. A lot of movie uh, or a lot of people <coughs> did not like this movie at. All. Was it more confusing than the first Mission Impossible movie? No, it's not. <laughs> so wait, mission, what we just watched is worse? It just because that movie's like, oh, and we're twisting the story around. With The Lighthouse, it's just generally confusing because after you finish the movie, you're like, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is the movie that I just watched. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what happened, but I know that it was, like, friggin' cool. Uh, the Lighthouse, I mean, it shot really well. It creates its own aesthetic. I really like The Lighthouse a lot. I like it more than The Witch, which was Robert Eggers' first movie, which a lot of people say is better than The Lighthouse. I like The Lighthouse better. Uh, a lot of the movies that I've referenced, like The Witch... X and The Lighthouse and not any others that, as far as I'm aware. But those three are from a production company called A24. They make uh, like indie art films. So a lot of their movies just have amazing, like unique looks to them that make them kind of set apart from a lot of the studio films. So uh, I want to touch on two directors generally and not just specific movies. I want to talk about Jordan Peele, and I want to talk about Stanley Kubrick. So both are, like, uh, pretty... Peele is new into the directorial scene. His first movie came out in 2017. It's Get Out. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty just Get Out. Uh, he did Us as well. He directed Us. And oh. he also had... He he's done Nope. I have yet to see Nope yet, and I really... I, Isn't Nope kind of like Get Out? It's similar, Because I, I saw it on your video account, and I I'm, I got it mixed up, and I'm like, oh yeah, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that. And then you the, said Get Out, I'm like, oh, that's not the movie. And so it's the same lead actor, it's Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Kaluuya, I think. Uh, and But but Get Out is uh, very... I think they're very different movies, because... As far as I am aware, and I don't know much about the movie because I haven't actually seen it. I know two things. Get Out? Yeah, I've seen Get Out. I really liked Get Out. I meant uh, Nope. Uh. I know two things about the movie. There's like an alien plot in it or something like that. I'm not, again, haven't seen the movie. <laughs> really want to. I own the Blu-ray. I just have not gotten the chance to watch it yet. 
but th- it's like something to do with the UFO or whatever. But the thing that I want to talk about primarily is it's shot on an IMAX film camera. Oh, those are the big boys. The those IMAX. are the big dogs, man. The IMAX camera, if it's on, if it's sixteen by nine. IMAX cameras usually come standard shot on sixteen by nine. Have you ever seen on like Disney Plus or something? It'll switch between aspect ratios. Oh my gosh! Like if it's super action packed, it uh, it'll be like two point three five or something. But like, depending on what scene, it'll be sixteen by nine. Like it, it's two aspect ratios in one movie. I that bugs me so much. Uh, a director that does stuff like that is Christopher Nolan. He does that all the time in The Dark Knight. And as much as I love that movie, and I think that movie is amazing, one, cinematography is not that interesting. Like, I think it's a very boring-looking movie. Uh, But I think specifically the aspect ratio changes bug me to no end. Is it 16 by 9, 2.35? Yes. It goes back and forth between the, like, full screen and then the, like, black black bars bars at the top. And I'm just like, pick a lane, brother. <laughs> like, please, please. It's like, it gets on my nerves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially for people that, like, in my space, I have a 16 by 9, but I know some people, uh, they have a 2.35 screen because they only watch movies, so they want to fill a screen. And then they go to, like, Disney Plus or The Dark Knight, like you said, and it switches between. And when it goes to 16 by 9, it's bleeding over their screen yes. like a ton. And they're like, I don't know how to change it. Is there a setting? And they're like, no, this is just straight up how it was recorded. This, yes. You can't change it. <laughs> it was shot like this. It re- I, the first time I noticed it wasn't actually when I watched The Dark Knight because I was too involved in the plot to really pay attention. The first time I noticed it in a Nolan movie was in The Dark Knight Rises because I don't think he does it in Batman Begins. But in The Dark Knight Rises, it is so apparent. It is so evident and I don't really like that movie, so I wasn't super into the plot, and it just made the experience worse because I was getting mad. I was like, <laughs> we were just in a different aspect ratio. And then it's bigger. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then it's smaller. I'm like, and then it's oh smaller, my and I'm like, please just pick one. And like, then it's that, and then also like, oh, this is a big screen. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this is nice. So it's bigger. And then it switches back, and you're losing like a quarter of the screen. And it's like, oh, this is so much worse. And by comparison, like you wouldn't think that that was a small screen if you hadn't just seen you, a you, giant screen. And then you show me, and I'm like, and now I'm back. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like the average <laughs> person, like 2.35, whatever. I don't know what that means. I just know all my movies are like that. And then you show them a movie that's bigger. Like, oh, that's so much better. Keep it like this. No, don't put it back. <laughs> it's like, it's like that video where the ladies like, um, you know, what's the most attractive accent? Uh, Pakistani, and then the guy's <laughs> like, naughty, naughty, you're teasing me. Like you're that's what. Me. It, you're that's teasing what it, me. <laughs> that's that's you're what it reminds. Me. Stop. That's what it reminds me of. I'm sitting there. I'm like Christopher Nolan. You're teasing me. Like you're giving me these little little tastes of like this giant aspect ratio, and then you slap me in the face with a smaller one. And I'm like, come on, man. Like just pick a link because I don't care if you want to go for the t- 2.3 by 5. I'm fine with that. A lot of movies are shot in that, but if you're gonna go with the other one, just go with the other it's like, one. It's like switching cameras or switching lenses yes. mid movie. It'd be weird. It's like, okay, we got Batman, we got this nice, dirty lens. Now then, we're in daytime with yeah. these bright, colorful lens. Yeah. This is weird. It's And then you switch back two, two minutes later. Yes. 
it's really aggravating. But uh, what I was going to say is Jordan Peele, I mean, Get Out was very good looking. Us, he just keeps improving as far as looks go. I liked Us better than Get Out, and I know that's a big debate because some people just think that Get Out is simply better. That may be the case, but I think Us was more effective as a horror movie, and it had a more, like, I think a more effective look to it. And from everything that I've seen looking at Nope, and I've seen so many, like, recommended videos where it's, like, the amazing visuals of Nope, and I'm like, I have to watch this movie. I was really upset when I didn't get to see it in theaters and that I had to wait this long. Uh, but I'm really excited to watch Nope. I just wanted to touch on that. I want to talk about Stanley Kubrick. So here are some Stanley Kubrick movies that you might know. 2001 A Space Odyssey, which you said earlier. Um, the Shining, mm. which is... Uh, oh my gosh, The Shining's amazing. I mean... Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, Lord, um, I'm trying to think of, what is the other movie that I'm thinking of? Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick Army Movie, it's in my watch list on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> this is really bugging me, because Full Metal Jacket, as right as I was about to look it up, I finally remembered. <laughs> I couldn't remember when I wanted to. No, 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 that'd be too easy. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. I mean, the man has an eye for cinema. He creates these amazing-looking movies that people, especially The Shining, especially The Shining, that people just parody to no end. Or not parody, but, like, homage to no end. Specifically, the scene in The Shining where Jax is... Uh, Jax. Jack is bringing the axe back and then bringing it forward over and over again. And the camera is following it like that shot it's actually i think it's actually tracking it like you said last yeah. last time i think it is like it's it's tracking that movement and that's such a unique even like it's so simple but so unique and cool looking that even like watching it now that movie came out about 40 35 42 years ago, years ago. 80 1980 whoa it came out in 1980 and that move that shot is still impressive to oh, yeah. me like Nike commercials like um like they'll be like a jump rope or something and like uh they'll do the tracker and like some mm -hmm. like their leg or something and the camera is like moving with the or like it's a sideways shot so not in front of the person but the sideways when their leg you know when you do it, whoops I just hit that when you do a jump rope your leg and it's like the camera up and down up and down and the 42 years ago that was used for what like one of the first times ever yeah i mean i wouldn't it probably wasn't like the first time it was ever used but yeah like pretty early not popular in this movie that is like you know a pop culture icon now like everybody knows the here's johnny like mm -hmm. that scene is i mean it's friggin everywhere like they even did a super ready player bowl, one ready player one yeah they did a super bowl commercial that's a parody of that like it's, and that shot is parodied or not parodied. It's homaged, like all the time. Even in non horror movies, like X, which is a horror movie, uses that shot with uh, Jenna Ortega's character at one point. There, it's Stephen or Stephen Stanley Kubrick is literally, I'd say, 
as far as visuals go, ha- is, like, the most influential director, like, on directors now. I think his movies influence directors now so much as far as the visuals, the way movies look, and the way the camera moves. The camera moving was not something, like, super common back then. It was mainly used by people like Kubrick and Brian De Palma, who directed the first uh, Mission Impossible movie. Like, I think the the visual... I think he had so much visual influence on a generation that, I mean, now we see movement in camera all the time. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is a great example of this. I referenced Once Upon a Time in Hollywood earlier, but there's, of course, like, Django Unchained uses so many of those, like, quick zoom-in shots or, like, quick turns. Kill Bill uses them all the friggin' time. Like, Tarantino, I think is very influenced by Kubrick, even though you probably wouldn't know it from his style, because his style has a level of flamboyance that Kubrick's did not have at all. Kubrick's felt very grounded and, like, very simplistic in a good way. And Tarantino's is very, like, flashy and quick, but I think that Kubrick walked so that Tarantino could run, in a sense. Yeah, I feel like that's... The things like you're the axe, the tracking that happened back then, that's, I don't think if any of that happened back then, they wouldn't use it today, because that's, like you just said, that's that's what the seed that was planted back in the 80s, that's just been, like, totally, like, blown up now. That's that's just how it started. Yeah. And it's been, yeah. Like, I, I think, I don't know if I ever mentioned it last episode, but the sideways camera shots, you know, you see... Not much used now, but like in the mid two thousands, the early uh, teens, twenty thirteen through like twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, the if something intense is going on, somebody's yelling or someone's suspicious. They'll use the sideways camera angle on their face. And it just shows. Uh, it's kind of outdated now a little bit, but if it's used really good, it still looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Lord, it's I could talk about Kubrick forever, and I need to watch more Kubrick movies because I've only seen two, I believe. Uh, the Shining is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Kubrick did such an amazing job with that movie. Uh, we watched it together, but I was like so tired the whole time. I was just falling asleep. Uh, not like because I was bored by the movie, but just because I was like running on like four hours of sleep I think like I I was just like dozing off so I rewatched it like within the past few months and lord that movie just oh my gosh it looks so amazing like the I mean I don't I can't really pinpoint exactly what makes it so amazing I mean there's of course the tracking shots like you remember the scene where the little kid is riding around on a tricycle right throughout the hotel and yeah. it's just the camera following him while he rides oh, his yeah, tricycle oh yeah like right behind him it's like a it's like a sloppy camera kind of yes. like a kind of like a mom run after a kid or something and like the camera's just well it's steady but it's like moving with the tricycle it's really interesting oh, and it's yeah, think, the yeah. way the the way the music flares and everything it it it's a really interesting thing cuz it's conditioning you to be like 
you're constantly waiting for something. Yeah. And two of the, like, I think it's used three times. Two of the three times, nothing happens. But then one time, something happens. And it's when he sees the, I, the two, like, twin girls. Yeah. And he, uh, and then the flood of blood and everything. Well, it didn't happen right there. I uh, know. He no, saw it, the girls. He saw the girls, and then I think that's when he sees the blood come out of the elevator for the first time. Shot that's used a bajillion times in that movie. But that's pretty much all I have as far as like the look of movies. I could talk about it more, but I'd want to do some more research because I didn't get to do quite as much as I wanted to uh, on just the look of movies. But that's what I have as of now. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. I really hope y'all had a, a good time listening. Uh, every episode from last episode on out, we are doing Instagram posts of recaps and basically just notes that are on the screen for y'all to look at, maybe some pictures. So hope y'all had a good uh, listening experience. And uh, thank you, for Malone, for hopping on, doing a couple of podcasts with us. So thank you for joining us. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, y'all have a good rest of your evenings. Oh, um, Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Instagram. At the underscore j- uh, JP underscore AV underscore podcast. There we go. Uh, d- yeah, go check that out. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, thank you for reminding me. You'll have a great rest of your evening. God and bless. rock on. Yeah,